One, two, one, two. Now here we go. You know what time it is? Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Today we are lucky enough to have with us. Mr. Paul Price himself, former world number four squash champion. Um, he's played, he's won medals at the Commonwealth Games. He's an international flow coach. Mate, welcome to the podcast. Frankie, man. Thanks for having me. I really uh, appreciate it. I, I, mate, are you, are you as nervous about me interviewing you as I am about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not nerves, man. It's excitement. Yeah, it's excitement. It's excitement. We're, That's we're, what we're, it is. We're, we're, I'm, I'm trying to work out whether, I, whether I've got anxiety or, or I'm in flow state right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, You're on the borderline, that's for mate, sure. I'm, I'm on the borderline, I'm on the borderline. It's just, I'll tell you what it is, right? It's because there's this new whole pro setup now. So we've got cameras in here, we've got a studio, we've got the whole podcast thing over here, the Rode Podcaster Pro, like it's all a bit, I'm learning it all every day. So like, this is all new to me. But anyway, guys, welcome back. So Paul, tell them, like, give it, so obviously like when you're, when you're a kid, you're, you're, you're 13 years old, you say to your dad, Dad, I want to play squash. Let's let's let, let break it down for me. Like, what, what, right why there, squash? Eh? Why squash? <laughs> well, interesting enough, I grew up playing AFL footy and uh, love my football and I love music as well. And I was just naturally pretty good at sports in general. And um, my dad played squash ever since I was, you know, before I was born. So couple of nights a week he'd always be around squash and the weekends he'd play Saturday mornings squash as well and so I I spent a lot of time on around squash courts and just being a kid you know my dad made me a um they used to have wooden rackets back then and he cut one in half and gripped up the end of it and I used to have this little sawn off little squash racket that um that I'd run around with and hit balls and different stuff and and I found myself outside squash centers while he was playing you know, I'd go out there and I'd get a ball and I'd be hitting it against a concrete wall in a car park, just filling time and, you know, doing my thing, having a great time. And then I would sneak on the court in between when people come on and off and um, just hit balls around and and whatnot. And then uh, I started playing racquetball, which is a somewhat a version of squash. That's the, um, that's like where you got a tennis racket, isn't it? It's, it's a bit more of a tennis racket shape, yeah, but yeah, it's a yeah. smaller, big rubbery, bouncy ball. So I was at squash courts one random night with my dad and he was playing comp and they had a racquetball in-house competition at the club. And this is in Broadmeadows in Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, long time ago now, Frankie. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're taking them back, guys. We're exactly. Them back. Um, and they asked if I wanted to fill in. Someone didn't show up and yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I'd never played before. I didn't really know the rules or anything. So they threw me out there and I won. I won the match. <laughs> I beat this random guy who of course you did of course you did probably quite annoyed with me um i think i was probably about nine or ten at that time so i played and played racquetball i got into it and i won a couple of australian junior titles and then at 13 i remember it was one of the most pivotal moments in my life and there's been a couple of moments like this that redirected my path significantly um we were it was a sunday afternoon and we were watching it was sitting on the couch the whole family, my brother, my mum and, and dad and I, and Squash came on TV. And 
there's two Australian guys playing in a in a big event, and it was uh, Rod Martin and Chris Robertson, and and I was just enthralled, like I was just zoned in on the the screen, and and I was captivated by what USA. these guys were doing, and and most more particularly what Rod Martin was doing, and how he was so creative, and just it was just something really profound that I just the shots found. he was picking out and everything. Yeah, like just that. his creative. It was just amazing, and and. That finished, and I just sort of turned to my dad and said, Dad, do you think I can get squash lessons? And he looked at me and said, yeah, we'll speak to Adrian down at the club and uh, we'll sort give, it it a, give it a shot. And then, yeah, that was that was it. I went down there and just fell in love with playing squash and just idolized these professional players and, yeah, just, so it just from- changed everything, changed my whole focus in life, yeah. So from that early age, you've obviously started playing squash. Was it an easy? Was it like a, a given? As soon as you started playing, you just had natural ability for it, and you just literally—it was just like nailed on the door from that day that you were just going to turn pro. Did you? Did you think that at that time, or what was the thought process? No, no, I don't. I mean, as a kid, I always ran around playing sports. You know, and I think we all, as kids, we, we're never ourselves. And this is one of the beautiful things about being a kid: is your imagination and your neuroplasticity and and there's no there's no hangups, but you run around being, you know, the best player, or the best athlete, or the best singer, or the best. You, you run around being your idols, yeah, 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 and and you lose yourself in that. You get in, you know, you get back into flow, being whoever it is that you idolize. And um, so you were running around as so, this Rod guy, weren't you? Yeah, so Rod Martin was probably my first um, idol, and and you know, now a friend, and uh, I was coached by him there for a while. So it's. It, it was it was never a thing. I didn't think at that point in time. It was just all about. I just loved playing, just and I wanted to be. I wanted to be good at it. But the thought of being pro was never in my peripheral at all. It was like a, a pie in the sky dream that. And it probably wasn't until I was about sixteen that that vision sort of started to come to fruition through um, one of the major biggest influences on my squash career, Roger Flynn, who was my coach. Yeah. Um, when I got into state squads and, and different things that and I started to see pro players training and competing and it just sort of expanded my vision, like seeing that stuff, like it expanded my vision of what's possible and what what is in front of you. It it was model I could model that. And but I even think until um it wasn't probably until I was eighteen, nineteen that I thought um, yeah, I can I can have a crack at this pro game. And um, really, really kick on from there and see what see what it's got in store for you. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was one of those things. Like that was all I thought about doing. You know, in in school, um, you know, I was asked by my teachers, you know, you're going to go to university and all this sort of stuff. And my goal was to get a scholarship with the Australian Institute of Sport to train full time. And what did the teachers say when you were saying things like that? I pretty much laughed in my face. Really? Yeah, there was. Uh, that thing to, I mean, I know that happens in England because I've I've kind of been through it myself, but I didn't imagine that that would happen in Australia. Yeah, I mean, the sporting culture that we have here, you think that it's really um, encouraged, and look, and there were some teachers that were very encouraging about you know kids' passions and what they love doing, and I think yeah. I think you go back to thirty years ago, and that's that those teachers were few and far between, and maybe there's you know. Hopefully that's improved with the, with the knowledge that we have now. But um, but yeah, it was there was a couple of standout moments where 
a few teachers um, really kind of shat on your dreams a little bit. It's like really like. But do, then, do, uh, do you know what? Do you know why I think that might be though? Because when you when we were talking pre-roll before we started recording this podcast about yeah. flow state, and obviously we're going to go into that in a bit more depth later on in the show anyway, but those teachers that were shitting on your dreams, so to speak, they they were doing teaching for the wrong reasons. They were doing teaching teacher to they were being a teacher for cash flow reasons rather yeah. than rather than their passion. And I bet you find the ones that actually encouraged you to go and chase your dream and go and live your passion. I bet they're the ones that are in flow state with teaching. They're actually doing it because they're passionate about it. They want to see kids succeed. Yeah. I bet that's I bet that I bet if you looked at it at that angle, I bet that's the fundamental difference between those two teachers. Yeah, I think well, there's there's probably a lot of yeah. I think you touched on a really important point is that were they passionate about it? Yeah. Because um, you're not passionate about something, and you're doing it. You know, you you're really triggering the the negativity in inside you, and especially if you're not going to if you're doing what you're doing on a daily basis isn't intrinsically motivating, then you know anything that motivates you yeah <laughs> pretty much like you, yeah. if you if you're generally operating for extrinsic motivators then that that has a shelf life and that's not going to last very long you know motivation runs out um pretty quickly um when it's extrinsically linked to yeah, to, to an outcome but if you're intrinsically motivated then you think and you and you will find yourself in flow you know being intrinsically motivated is a huge um gateway to, to getting to get in flow state but um but it also leads to heightened empathy and compassion like all these emotions that we we are we want to be better we are better people we're we're more we're better feeling about ourselves and others when we are in that zone when we're when we're experiencing more joy in our own life and flow state has been described as you know, the, one of the most joyful experiences you can possibly find yourself in the, the optimal peak state of performance. Is it like euphoric? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been described as in in correlation with like you know, Buddhists that have 30 years of meditation experience. The the, the brain waves, the brains, the state that they can get themselves in is equi- you know equal to what flow state can do for you. So, um, but it's also in some books, you know, just the correlation between religion and yeah. religious experience and flow state, you know, from a neurochemistry and a, a, a biology standpoint, is very similar. So, is that because it's, it's a very euphoric? Is that because of of how people believe in it? Uh, yeah. I th- well, it, again, it goes back into that that belief system, the intrinsic motivators, but it's also, I think, it's more. Because it's more autotelic, it's it's an an end within itself. So it's a, you know, when you do something, you know, like you you you've obviously fallen in love with having a podcast and you love doing this and yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. And whether you, I don't do it for money, that's for sure. Exactly. So <laughs> because you love doing it, it's yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the reward is doing the podcast. It's sitting here right now with a guest having these conversations. That that's the reward for you. Actually, though, so that. That is the reward, and I love having conversations with people like you because I do want to learn so much stuff, and and this does allow me to have a platform to be able to learn that stuff myself. But I actually, my, my bigger purpose is I want to touch thousands of people's lives in the right way and flip patterns, break perspectives. That's why I've got my why statement as the start to this podcast. Yeah, so beautiful. That, so that's my why statement. So when we did the intro, that that bit that you hear 
is is a why statement that's took me hundreds of hours to come up with okay what is what is your why frankie okay that yeah. is it and then i wrote that as the intro to the podcast yeah so that that, that is simply why i do it because i think to myself yes i want to have the conversation with you paul and i love having the conversation but i think to myself if i don't record it i'm doing an injustice to the world because yeah. the stuff that we get into the deep stuff the meaningful stuff the stuff that i think people can resonate with that people can pull like nuggets out of that shit needs to be recorded. That shit needs to be shared with the world. Because if we aren't sharing that with the world, we're just impacting our own lives. But we're not. Yeah. Do, we're not. We're doing ourselves a disservice. We're doing other people a disservice because we're not helping them. Yeah, I love that. That's, you, a, that's, you see a, what I'm that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing. But but doing it authentically. Yeah, yeah. For the right reasons, and and yeah, monetizing a podcast or not, the impact. Yeah, yeah. For is sure. not going to be necessarily gauged by. The, the money that a podcast would bring in, but it might be gauged on the feedback you get from yeah, listeners in those moments of, of impact that, that you're really looking for. So, you know, it's all linked together. And yeah, if you're not doing the thing you love doing and you're, that you're passionate about, you've got to find a way because we've all had to do things. We're all going to have to do things that we don't enjoy doing at some point. Yeah. And there are always elements of your passion as well that, that there's the stuff that goes, uh, it's a bit of a grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got to do sure. that, but you got to link that back to what really drives you and your kind of the values that you have. I th- I was I was saying this to my friend the other day. I th- if you can work out what you what you ultimately want to achieve, you can kind of you can make everything on purpose, even if you don't. So, like, con- removing online content, right, isn't my greatest passion. Okay. I'll be totally honest with you. But what I did to make me passionate about it was I aligned it with people that I wanted to represent because I wanted to genuinely help them, right? Once I did that, I can be passionate about it. So I don't look after clients that I don't like. I don't look after clients that do bad things. I look after clients that genuinely need help that can obviously pay a f- fair valued fee for, for what we do. And obviously that all that's covered because obviously it's a business and has to generate revenue, but we only represent clients now that, that I genuinely believe in. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And that gives me that that relates directly back to my purpose and my why. Otherwise there's no point. We don't, we don't accept them as clients. Simple yeah. as that. Cause like lots of people want to remove content. Lots of bad people want to remove content. doesn't mean we're, they're not going to be represented by me though, or my company, because that's not what we're about. Yeah. So as soon as you know that, you can reverse engineer anything into purpose. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and just linking it to those values. That yeah, you just have, link you know, it to like, your values, yeah. Um, that's really, really important, yeah, so. But get, so get, let's go back, right, because we went into flow a bit a bit earlier, but I want people to understand how you how you came across this because, so you've, you, you've turned pro, you, you're, playing, you're playing squash at high level. When... Give us a bit of a background, like when you started to obviously have success with this squash and obviously started to achieve top level shit with it, you know? Yeah, so, you know, as a, as a you know, I think at the age of 18, I set my goal to become top five in the world as a single squash player. Yeah. And that was before I even turned professional. And yeah, that's a great goal. It was, scared the shit out of me. But it, it really inspired it, it inspired me, and it really that was the thing I wanted to do, and and win a um, world championship for Australia. And I sort of set on my path of doing that, and just leading into that, 
I, I got my scholarship to the Australian Institute of Sport. So at the age of 18, I moved to Brisbane to join the, the squad. Yeah, yeah. And that same year, it was our year to play the World Junior Championships. So let's give you a bit of background. In those days, you could, they were going to take four athletes to the World Championships. And so you had to be in the top four um, in the country to, to, to make that team. And I think at the time, at the start of that year, I was ranked about nine in under-19s. Yeah, it's not bad though, is and, it? Uh, 26 is, million people. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, I guess uh, if you put it that way. it's. Uh, but but there was – and the top three spots were pretty much solidified. Like the top three guys were very dominant. And we yeah. had three um, tournaments that were held, the, the qualifying tournaments. So you had to really perform at those events. But I moved into this house with – probably about six of the other guys I had to compete against for that for that spot, that one spot really that was available. And what I quickly recognized was that we were all doing the same training. Yeah. Uh, we had some individual coaching, and but we're all becoming as fit as each other. We're all as strong. We're very training in similar ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I also got the opportunity to work with a sports psychologist, and I took that opportunity and he taught me about visualization and setting clearer goals and and that and in talking to some of the other athletes about the sports psychologist they were just having none of it yeah because they, they, they just they're too into themselves yeah well no, no, i wouldn't say that i just think it would be that they just didn't believe yeah didn't, it was going to make an impact because the culture of sport has always been about just work harder yeah, just spend more time on court. Spend more time doing. Spend Hit more, more time doing this, this, um, and that was you know. And I definitely bought into that, and I was a part of that. But there was this thing about me that thought I'm going to give this visualization thing a shot because I knew it was the one thing that no one else was doing. So it was a differentiating moment. Yeah. So, so I did it. I, I stuck to the program he gave me to to do it. Followed the the script of how to visualize. And then went to those tournaments and I snuck in and made that team. Um, and at that moment, it was the thing that made me realize that, okay, if these guys aren't doing it, how many of the other players or athletes in the world aren't, aren't doing this sort of stuff either? Yeah, yeah. So I thought, if this is going to be the thing that sets me apart, then I'm going to continue Go all to in it. onto it. So I went all in on the sports psychology stuff. And um, the following year, I... I turned pro, got my ass handed to me for the first 18 months on tour by you know, good players. Yeah, for sure. Know, earning my stripes, traveling around, sleeping on squash court floors. and Really? And, uh, you know, you don't know, really have end up much money to start on the tour. and You had to sleep you know, on court? Like, we slept, we have, in Switzerland, we slept on a squash court. Um, in Malaysia, you sleep on, you know, so if you're in qualifying, you didn't qualify, you didn't get a hotel bonus, so... Some of the guys would lay to sleep on the hotel flo- room floors for a couple of nights, and you know you just sort of wing it, and you just sort of get by, and you just sort of young life as a pro. Yeah, you just you're doing what you love doing, and you, you got to find a way to get by, you know. And and we were fortunate; we we did get a lot of support from the Institute of Sport, so there was a funded uh, a lot of our flights and things like that. But yeah, for sure, it wasn't. And my parents helped me substantially with having a bit of spending money and and helping with some trips and things like that and they they were phenomenal but by no means did we have a you didn't, plethora you didn't of cash have to, to, you, did you? to go away yeah but um 
So I had support, but you also had to make the most of that money to, for it to go a long way. Um, and then, yeah, I moved back to Melbourne after that year and started working with my uh, main coach again, Roger, and got to work with a sports psychologist uh, named Noel Blundell, who'd worked with the likes of Sampras and Pat Rafter, like some really yeah, high-end tennis top, players, top players and, yeah. uh, and some other Olympic athletes. And really got into my emotional control, which was a big challenge for me, learning techniques of how to regulate my state. What, um, what did you find was, was causing these different emotions within yourself? Um, to be honest, I had no idea at the time. And I don't think I figured that out until maybe the last couple of years, really. Um, and it kind of goes into the, uh, the stuff I actually work with athletes and, and, and the business people and that I work with in flow state now. It's the thing I call, we call shadow values. It's kind of that there's things that we need as, as humans that we value that we would never, ever tell anybody about. Right, okay. It's the things that we're taught to suppress when we're kids. Yeah, you know, for um, fear of what other people may think Don't of be you. an attention seeker. Attention, belonging, um, validation, love, control, you know, all these things that we think are bad things, but they're actually our superpowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because we're taught to suppress them, they often come out inauthentically or they, they get used. I'm starting to resonate with this right now. Really? <laughs> yeah, cool, I think cool. so. Um, I think so. so. So one of my big things was, you know, and, and in high school, you know, we're getting into some nitty gritty now but i was you know i was bullied a lot in high school yeah um and what i recognized that my school life and my squash life was significantly different squash life i was good at something so so people so people were like yeah he's good so i was given i was given a lot of positive feedback in that environment a lot of validation of me being there and belonging and, and these sorts of things yeah yeah which leads you to sort of feeling good and and, you know triggers your sort of neurochemistry in a real positive way yeah um but on the flip side of that was i was getting beaten up made fun of bullied all this stuff at school so you see as a kid not knowing how to process that really yeah i just threw myself into this whole universe of where people sort of accepted me so if I think back now about what made me, what triggered me so much was I just wasn't getting that thing fed. So if I was losing, it, I, I, I took it as being reflected on my personal, you know, who I was. Yeah, you who know? you were. It, took da- it personal, damages you personally. Like it made me feel weak and ashamed and inferior? all these things. Inferior. So I responded really negatively. I did not know how to process, process that. And I responded really badly. And I did this for a long period of time, a long, long time. Um, and so now it's part of my passion is going, man, I just wish I knew how to dig a bit deeper into that back so then. I could go back and – well, not go back. It's always – it's all led me here to this moment, which exactly. is which – I, which I'm super pumped about. So I'm taking it as – I get to now help other young people or other people in general. It doesn't whether you're young or not, you either know it or you don't know it, um, and how to utilize it. So that need that I have that I would suppress and suppress so much that it would come out in a real negative, angry burst or a frustration or some 
inauthentic way that actually genuinely really isn't me. Um, but that would be how I present myself at times. Yeah. Would I'm fully resonating with this right now. Like half my life's been like this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's, and I look back at it going, fuck man. Yeah. I could have made so many different choices or hundred percent. And, um, but, but, but but like you said, like you said, where you are right now and all the abundance and everything you got going on and everything that's happening to you is, 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 is because of what you've been through and like you couldn't, do what yeah. you do now to the level that you do it without those if, if everything had been perfect and you went back and you just could just change things so that everything's just perfect with no there's no learning curve there no no it's and that's the thing it's just it's just taken me a long time to get to the point where i can unpack all that stuff and go holy shit i was a dick at that time because this one thing that i crave wasn't being fed or met that need wasn't being met had I known that I could feed that need myself yeah, yeah, through yeah. my own thoughts and vision and thinking and and state regulation, then I wouldn't be triggered by anything but that. You, yeah, know, you yeah, generally know sure. what your shadow values are and how they trigger you, what I call your inner demon. You can actually project your inner hero and show up as that person. And And, and mindfulness is a great tool in expanding that gap. The gap is that little moment between between thought and emotion reaction where something happens yeah. you think a thought oh, I'm an idiot or I'm this or that means this yeah yeah for sure where you can actually stop yourself pause and go actually actually this doesn't mean anything mm. it means whatever I it, want it, it to mean it, it, but everything that you you think means something can also mean something completely opposite so, like, yeah. you could look at a woman, like, if she's binned you off, you could look at it as a negative or you could look at it as, obviously, she's not the right woman for me at this right time. So, there's obviously someone else out there better for me. But it's just how you choose to look at it at that particular time. Yeah. And so many people choose to look at the negative. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, and that's where people go ultimately really wrong. Yeah. It's, a, it's a taking rejection as a, that triggers that that um shadow value that thing that 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 need that we all have that really makes it um a crucial moment so you can train that moment to 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 be able to control your mind and your thoughts and so going back to what i was saying earlier you know the stuff i know now that i had that expertise or an expertise but uh, awareness of how to stop and switch and go to a different pathway of thought that was more empowering than, it, you know, there would have been a lot of different things. You could have took it down a whole different That could path. have happened. I, I, my growth would have been a bit more accelerated. But, yeah, here I am now with all this. And and and, and the funny thing about it all is that, you know, we've just, as a, a society, especially in a sporting society, we've come from a, just got to grind it out. You know, what we think is peak high performance, peak performance and all this sort of stuff, you know, and in business, you know, it's like a badge of honor. You've got to tell people you're busy. You've got to tell people, yeah, I was stuck at the office till 11 last night. You've got to tell night. people you've worked 25 it out, hours. Grinding it. I'm busy. All these things are that we think, wow, they must be kicking goals. It's not what peak performance is anymore. And it's just like, and everyone always like wants to just 
swing their dick at the Christmas party, don't they? And just say that, you know, yeah. this year, <laughs> this year I've worked 70 hour weeks for like, and really like there's so many things that you could do to work smart rather than hard in uh, many things, including sport. Like a lot of people yeah. do, do things in sport that is completely ridiculous. Like I know a lot of professional boxers that train seven days a week. I'm like, bruv, wow. why, why, why are you training seven days a week? Like, why are you running six miles, six days a week? Like, I'm telling you, to cut them to threes, run maybe four or five of them, and your body will be in a whole lot better place. Because you're like, you see, I've seen boxers literally leave their leave their best peak that they they peak in the gym. They peak for yeah. sparring, then they get in the ring and they're dead. They're dead at the weight, like they're, yeah. they're done. They're, it's the same. It's the same in any sport. It's the same in squash, I'm sure. But like, yeah, don't. It's just there's just a lot of like people just thinking you could do more, 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 and 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 no, no yeah. thought process as to what they're even trying to get out the end of it. Yeah, it, yeah. Recovery is is becoming the biggest, you know, high performance tool that Sleep. you should be deploying in any aspect of your life, not just a sporting environment, but business, entrepreneurship is a, is another one. Startups, you know, you think about. Yeah, you know, starting a company and things like that, like yeah, very stressful. Grind and grind and grind and keep going and going and that pushing. But you know what happens over a period of time? Once you work past a certain amount of hours, in particular, if you're getting into flow, yeah, right. On the back end of that, you need to recover. It's a very, very expensive um, process on your biology. Like you, and if you're not recovering, you think of an athlete. If you don't recover from training, you get to the fight, yeah, and You've got nothing left. You've got nothing left. You've yeah. got to taper off. You've got to, you know, you've got to periodize your training plan. It's how we should be operating as humans, as um, entrepreneurs, as business operators, as as, as, as just as just people, as just people. As just people you know, you we know? got to we got to oscillate our our life. You know, when are your peak moments? You know, and make sure you're finding time to to rest and recover. And rest and recover for most people is sitting on the couch watching the footy having a beer or watching Netflix and things like that but that's not going to recover you from um, flow experience or peak state experiences yeah, because yeah. you're just sitting there with your brain idling like you would it's like leaving your car on overnight just idling it's still using petrol yeah it's, but it's, you know? it, and it's not even you're not even achieving much by that you're just like gassing yourself out yeah. with, with especially yeah exactly you're just you're actually taxing your system more yeah, for sure. And um, so, really, you know, so if I went back to my athletic career, and you know, I've just I'm 18 months post uh, hip re- hip resurfacing, which is pretty much the young man version of a hip replacement. Really, you've had that, uh, yeah. So, um, girls, he's he's a new man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife, well, she, she, she would be that. reaping the benefits, but uh, we've got, we've got a we've got a two year old now, so <laughs> so uh, that takes up a lot of our time. Yeah, well, I'm sure but, it does. Um, mate. We'll leave that there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's it's interesting to for where I am now, I feel like I've I've in the last, especially the last twelve months since I resigned from my position as a national squash coach, I've had a full year of sitting back and going, What is it that really lights, lights me up and, and really excites me that I wanna have a crack at? You know, what am I where do I want to go? What do I want the next sort of ten, twenty years of my life to look at? And what what impact do I want to have? Did you ever have that walk and that word with yourself on the walk where you like you think to yourself, "Fuck me, 
what is my purpose of being on this planet? <laughs> like, I've, I've had it and I'm not going to even lie to you. Like, I was walking yeah. down the beach for day and I had it and I was like, man, Frankie boy, like, you're here, mate, for a bigger purpose than what you're doing. Like, you got to do something, man. You got to get that podcast going. Like, you got to do something because you ain't, yeah. you ain't living your full life, mate. Like, right. you, you're living in a shadow yourself. Like, you got to start talking, brother. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I feel like I have that conversation with myself kind of weekly. Um, in a on a micro level, but yeah, just to check in, just um, to check in. I'm on about a serious. I've always work. sort of no, I, I think, I think maybe about five or six years ago, maybe a bit longer. I kind of, I started sort of reading a little bit more on sort of personal development books and things like that, and it started shifting my perspective on some stuff. And I think probably at that point, I realized. Okay, I'm kind of cruising along here. I'm doing things I love doing. I was playing music at a band and all that sort of stuff. And I played a bit. Of, I was still playing a bit of squash on a doubles tour. And but there was it, squash at that point wasn't fueling the fire. Like Not it was just jump. it was now my job. Like and I was doing it and going through the motions, which just didn't, yeah, you know, didn't allow me to show up as my best self anymore do you do you, do you did you show people that like did you show people the worst side of yourself because of that oh yeah <laughs> yeah 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 uh, definitely at times but i mean i was i was really good at it so it was that easy thing that i could do that made me money yeah um but it also led into triggering a lot of things that you know like going back to that thing i wasn't passionate about it anymore so yeah you done, you your your squash days were done years yeah. before that yeah and i, and I probably should have walked away a lot a lot earlier than what i did but um but so when we moved back to my wife and i got married and then we decided you know my wife's canadian and we i lived in toronto for 12 years and we moved back to melbourne about uh 6 years ago yeah with nothing really like we go i don't have a job don't have anything. Don't know what I'm going to do. But I've got a Canadian wife. It's going to be okay. But, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we just sort of figured it out. And I got into squash coaching, and and I and I and I fell in love with that. But it was always around the mindset stuff that I really got more excited. And uh, I looked into sort of life coaching and things like that around that time. But again, the squash stuff came easy. Like I built a business around squash with different programs, and then became it's what you knew. State it? coach, and then I was offered the job as a national coach and then to run the commonwealth games program and high performance stuff and it was great you know it was it was it was good it led me to more peak performance conversations different relationships in different um areas and it moved us to the gold coast um which is the best place in the world to live which is definitely one of the best places in the world it's beautiful 100 percent. um every day you should pinch yourself and say fucking hell i don't know what yeah. i've done to deserve to live here but i'll do it here <laughs> <laughs> i do i always I always said to my english uh, friends that um that you know, once you come to the gold coast you'll uh you'll probably never leave again yeah. do you know what so. I've, I, I, I've i've gone back to see my family like quite a few times and that and every time i go back i think to myself i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna live in england again and then I get there and I'm like, I do love my family and stuff, but yeah. like you have to do things for yourself as well. And, and I'd be doing myself, a, 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 I'd be punishing myself, myself basically if I went back there and lived there. Yeah. Because it's just living in eight months a year of greyness. Yeah. Like that's, that's going to impact on how positive I am as a man. 
that's going to impact on bringing my best self to the table like we're talking about yeah so yeah it does it does have an impact your environment is is huge but uh and i lived in england for two years as well and so i understand getting up in the morning to go train it's hard at 5 a.m in in the gray miserable weather um it's yeah but yeah that's that's part of the journey as well right well it it is but i think a lot of people have it a lot of people will, will happily moan about um that that part of their life like i think more people need to move away from where they're born just to experience not only just experience other cultures and other places but like I know, I know, I know people that are still doing the same shit they were doing fifteen years ago, and I know, like, but and and they and they're always telling me, "Oh man, I, like, it's, it's mad what you've done, mad what you've achieved, Frankie, mad what you're doing." I'm like, "Bruv, you can do that yourself." Yeah, like, you don't need to. You don't need to. Um, there's, there's, there's no barrier to entry in any of this. You'd no. Literally, just a plane ticket, mate. It's a plane yeah. ticket, couple of grand in the bank. Have a crack, you know. Yeah, I, I you know, I've always, I've been fortunate to travel to so many places around the world and experienced that through my um, traveling for squash and it's definitely been you know, one of the things that a byproduct of following my passion to be able to travel experience different cultures um, and meet different people from around the world and, and have different opportunities to do things that has allowed me to grow and has, has kept my mind open to to lots of different opportunities and, and 100%. ways of being and, and thinking. And, and so I, I you know, travel is you know, travel in itself is a flow activity. Like it's one of those things that can just trigger you into a, yeah. a different state. Like the, you know, think about those times where you, you're about to jump on a plane and how that, that feeling of just getting in, knowing you're going somewhere. So you don't, you don't different. know the place, you don't know the people you've never been yeah. there before. Yeah. It's all new to you. Yeah, so you know, if you think about the flow triggers, like novelty is a big flow trigger. Going to somewhere new, yeah, you know, like you want to help trigger flow, drive home a different way. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. Just see something different. Like, is, there's so many micro levels and macro levels of, but I think that's a great point though, travel. because because so many of us, uh, I go to the same, I go to the same way to the gym and the same way back, right? Right. And because I've located my office near my house, my podcast studio near my house, and all that stuff now, because it's like I could get into a pattern of going to the same places for, for months and, and to, you look back yeah. and you're like, fuck me, I've been going around in the same circle. So like I, I've, I've just, I've just got that bit from that, your conversation today. That's just made me like, okay, that was a bit of a pattern interrupt. I better, I better make sure that I drive a different direction as well, because otherwise <laughs> I can't really say this on the podcast if, 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 if I don't do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's lots of little things. It's just, and that's you know, I'm sort of touching on what I was. There's so many little things you can do to improve your quality of life that are just sitting right at your disposal. And, give, and give, I think give, get, give the guests some. Give them. We get we get stuck in looking for these big magical answers all the time. And I think this is the the bigger the big epiphany that I've come across in the last say six to twelve months, especially is going um, that by understanding how your neurochemistry works in your brain to trigger your sadness your happiness your excitement and all this and understanding how to trigger it yeah is probably the biggest gift you could ever give to anyone or yourself and and it's something simple like 
driving home a different way from work, going it's to the gym a different way from work because novelty is a flow trigger, right? So you want to get into flow when you get to the gym or go a different way, um, walk backwards for a little bit. Talk to a different girl like, on the way in. <laughs> talk to, yeah, talk to a different girl, raise your neuropinephrine in your system, get that bit of stress, that little bit of nervousness in your system. Um, there's so many different things that you can do to change your state on a dime and people just aren't doing it but the the funny thing is like and we've heard it for years and years and years mindfulness practice gratitude um sleep more journaling visualization all these things that are that they, they live inside us like they're they're not things that you go and buy they're not things you go and attain they're just things that you practice you can't you like practice you can't riding buy a bike. anything that makes you happy though. When no. you, as soon as you realise that, I, my, my mate, I was talking to my mate, um, very successful marketer, and we were talking about his Lamborghini, and um, he bought his Lamborghini like two and a half years ago, and he's like, Frankie, like I don't even drive it. Like, I, I, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah, it's nice, and I like to drive it like every once a month, maybe. I'm like, right. But do, do, he's like, mate, to be honest, like I wouldn't bother getting one. But it's like people people that have all this stuff that everyone aspires to have. Like everyone thinks they want a Lamborghini. Everyone thinks they want the G wagon. Everyone thinks they want all this cash and all this rah 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 and all that. And obviously, money is a great tool to be able to use to help people if you know how to use it. But yeah. money in the wrong hands can just put you buying these things like Lamborghinis that don't really move the needle in your life and don't really offer you much more than looking at looking a bit of a prick really <laughs> like, yeah do you know what i mean well kind of that that sort of stuff can be linked into your that shadow value right that, right okay, that, that okay. things that you know you the perceptual stuff that you want perceive that you think are going to make you feel a certain way but have a such a limited shelf life you know while you're driving around in that car that and, and look there's people out there that freaking love the shit out of lamborghinis and they oh yeah there's nothing wrong with the lamborghini buying you're it, buying it for the right reason but the purpose you know is 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 crucial and you know it's it all ties back to those values and just understanding what they are and how they how they link to where you're going you know it's um it's it's really important but we've all fallen prey to that sort of trap and and it's and it's there because it's it's promoted to us daily like it's you know marketing and lifestyles and instagram posts and and the way things are just sort of presented a lot of the time yeah lead us to grow up and and sort of conform to a certain way of feeling and thinking and but but not being taught how to manage that and to understand it to go yeah that's all cool but do you understand what's actually really happening inside of you that's eliciting these responses or these feelings or this sadness or this lack of or this feeling of you don't have enough or yeah lack, lack of self-worth this and and really i mean to draw it back into flow state again, like it's all about being in that present moment. How do you feel in this moment right now? And really, does it, it doesn't really matter what outside of these four walls that you or I have waiting for us material, uh, as from a material standpoint because it's just not in this present moment. So it's really, yeah, understanding that the present moment is all we have and training that skill to, to be able to enjoy it more and embody it more is something that, is it as simple as that sounds is a challenging challenging task and it takes practice and time and you know i'm i'm you're embracing it and and trying to get more of that 
and 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 having little wins here and there with it but it takes time and it's taken time and even i'm yeah nobody's perfect at it i think like that's your lifelong mission is to really improve those self skills to but perfection is the biggest like misconception there is because if something is perfect how how can you learn and get any like juice out of it like you it's like it's kind of pointless isn't it really when you think about it yeah that, <laughs> well you, you, it's, you, you gotta have that that you know the the failures and the struggles that kind of add the richness to life yeah, i think it's just it's about a matter of you know your your happiness and, and i only found this out recently but um kind of between the ages of nine and 12 we have set points in our happiness yeah like our emotional set points are there's only a certain amount of sadness you'll ever feel and there's only a certain level of happiness that you'll feel. And there's only a couple of things that really break that mold that either spike it to be extreme joy or to sort of extreme sadness and, you know, um, really bad shit happening to you or family members and things are the ones that are going to increase that sadness level. Yeah. Um, or moments of ecstasy or flow state the ones that are going to spike and that's sort of usually linked to flow experiences with high purpose right so so really like how kind of we're kind of shelved in like on a daily basis that we're operating in a certain level of happiness and sadness or emotional set points that we can waver in so you're saying we're we're rocking between two barriers at that age and but say i was saying you you don't know how happy you don't you wouldn't know what happiness or joy or anything in that feeling feels like if you didn't know what sadness felt like so we need so you need we need failure we need all these things we need stress we need all these things to for, to make our life fulfilling fulfilling like to be to, to overcome a struggle to overcome us um things that we're challenged by is you know that's you get your dopamine hit by overcoming things so there's nothing to overcome yeah, this this is it. I, I get really it. Yeah, so, yeah. so I've always, you know, leaning into the struggle moments, leaning into the things that scare you a little, the things that make you nervous, the things put you that, out your comfort zone. Yeah, if they're linked to your passion, things you, the direction you want to head, then freaking lean in, strap yourself in, and enjoy that ride. Because once you come through the other side of that, the impact, the feeling of joy, fuck, I love this shit. So much greater than. Yeah, and just going. It's a bit scary. I really love to start a podcast, but may I, what if I sound like a tool? Uh, yeah, maybe I won't. I, and then, but leaning into it and just getting it done. I started with an iPhone and and a voice recording app and and like a, a microphone that plugged into the iPhone. That's yep. how I started. Yeah. And if you listen to the first episode of this podcast, like, okay, the first episode of the podcast was recording on on like air air. Um, airpods and and a recording app and then i went to microphone and adapter and recording app and then do you know what i mean that and now we're a full pro audio two cameras like podcast studio like it has to evolve and that's evolved like that over seven or eight episodes because i just believe paul like you've got to take massive action and back yourself yeah like there's there's easy like 10 12 15k by the time yeah probably about that dropped in this room right now yeah right that's without renting it but why wouldn't you back yourself? You're only here once. You just, just, just do your worst case scenario. It goes completely tits up. I had a good go. Yeah. It's no, there's no loss. There's no loss there, is it? It's cash. You, you can always generate more cash. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it, 
But again, going back to that, the moments of ex- the experiences you're having, those autotelic moments, you know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's the the enjoyment of doing the impact that you you will have through 100%. hosting a po- podcast and 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 all these things. But but you know, if you think back, yeah, I started with an iPhone and a plug-in mic um, six, seven, eight episodes ago, and I've just I just recorded my first. I'm so positive last for you. week, yeah, and um, so I'm like six, seven, eight. Uh, episodes behind you then yeah, but, apparently because i did it with my ipad we did it on zoom but but you know but those little pro- progressive moments yeah you need to celebrate those wins because 100%. what that does it creates a really positive um sort of reaffirms what uh, reaffirms yourself doesn't it yeah sort of a a follow-on effect where you can uh I think we had a low battery over here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, low, um, ba- low battery on the camera. But we're, we're rolling with it. We're rolling yeah, with it. It's all good. Um, but what it does is that it allows you to sort of spike that little dopamine. So, when you reward yourself, you get that reward chemical dopamine. You get that little hit of, yeah, fuck yeah, I did that. Fuck yeah. That was cool. Um, or look at me grow. Or look at me. I've got this now. And this. I've got this person on my thing. Or I've... Yeah, you know, we just helped this person remove this content, and they did this. So you got to celebrate all these little wins along the way because quite often we get caught up in the big, the big goal. You know, so if the goal is to have a a life changing podcast that is bigger than Joe Rogan, yeah, um, and then and you're sitting in here with me right now having this conversation, you're going, "Fuck, when am I going to be as big as Joe Rogan?" You know, you're going to miss out on a lot, and and eventually you're going to go. Hang on a second. I'm not getting close to this. If 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 if, I, if you're if, focused on yeah. where you are now as where that goal is, yeah, which is why you got to have those chunk down goals all the way down to going. Let's do our first ten episodes. Then let's let's invest in some mics and let's. So you got to have these yeah, little stepping stones. But then when you get there, you got to give yourself a bit of a high five on that. It so, runs on the board at the end of the day. Yeah. It runs on the board. Like at the end of the day. You're not telling me that if 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 I don't if I sit down and do a hundred episodes, you're not telling me that there's not going to be some improvement in in listeners, personal growth, contacts, and everything else between zero and one hundred. Of course, there is, but it's just Absolutely. that most people will not put the time in to go from zero to one hundred. They won't put the time in, and yeah. that's why. Like, if you look at the most successful YouTubers in the world, they started with a page. With one video, one subscriber. Joe Rogan started with one listener. Yeah, there's no, the, the 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 barrier to entry is so small, but people will not put the time in to to and the, and the years in perfecting the craft, in yeah. learning the game, to be able to do it. Now, you might not realize this on this podcast, but so you both might see this. This I'm just going to show. You, I'm just going to say it how it is, Paul. Right. Both my cameras have run out of battery on this podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I got the first bits, first bit of like Paul speaking for the first half an hour. That camera went fucking flat and that fucked up. No, it's not gone flat. That's got a battery, but then the memory cards run out. So I just learned the lesson. And then my other camera, my GoPro, has <laughs> just gone completely flat, right? Yeah. Cause I've, cause I've turned it on in 4K. So I've learned that now I need 1080p. Yeah. Like, so, and, I just learned those lessons, right? This is podcast like what seven, eight, what nine? I don't know what it is, but anyway, the point of the matter is, 
you got to fucking start. you got to make these mistakes. You roll with it. You roll with the punches and you just go for it. And yeah. you just, it's no different what, what you're doing with your podcast. We'll, we'll both get into flow state with podcasts because we'll both give it the time and attention it needs to be able to get us into flow state with podcasts. Yeah. Just most people won't give it that time and attention. They won't give it, they won't, the, that camera stopping and that camera going would have fucked them. They'd, yeah. have been, they'd have been totally fucked. They'd have been, they'd have been in their head about that. Me and you just continue talking. We're like, fuck this and fuck this. We don't need it. We've got two mics. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're sweet. We sound like silky smooth chocolate, mate. Like, <laughs> well, we Kick-ass mics here. So. <laughs> so, 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 so what does it matter? Exactly. But, and, and that's the, that's the whole thing, right? You just need to have that, that structured thing. Like just to get started, you just need to start. And this has been, you know, and, and this is a now, challenge. Like I've just, later. I've just gone from one, pretty much my whole life in a sporting environment of, of squash and I've walked away from it a year ago going, okay, well, what am I, what do I want to do now? Who am I? What, what really lights me up? What, what, what really excites me and what, what can I do? Um, and you know, the, the battle in my mind of going back to zero, back to the starting point of, of Okay, I've got to earn my stripes again. I've got to go back to sleeping on the floor in the squash centers. I've got to go back to doing these things. I've got to go back to doing this. It's really challenging after you've had a certain amount of success in one area of yeah, yeah, yeah. of of, 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 of your life. life. Yeah, and then going, oh, I'm gonna pivot. Go, I'm gonna pivot here and go into this that I don't really know how to navigate this world yet. But each day I keep waking up and I keep doing my study, I'm doing Chipping my learning. Away. Chipping away, like you know, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to do this. I'm going to become this. I'm going to work towards this today. I'm going to learn something that I can use to help someone, some of my clients. And I've developed this, you know, repertoire of skills now that are helping people take their steps in their in their life, be it in business, personal life, um, whatever their goals are that they really want to work towards. And it's just that. Yeah, that's sort of, you know, and the beautiful thing about getting in flow is when you when you get there, that nagging voice, that inner critic just it goes, it shuts down. Like it goes offline, like it lives in your prefrontal cortex in the front part of your brain. And when you get into flow state, that starts to turn off, it goes offline. And so, you know, when, you, when, you've, yeah. when you're in flow, you don't actually think about who you are, why you're here, what is the your sense of self kind of disappears. You become 100%. one with the activity. There's no, the it's it's very autotalic. It's very, you know. I love that word. I'm going to learn that. Autotalic. Yeah. I love it, that word. It, it, you love that word. It took me a while to get my head around that word, actually. It was, it was a, but, um, but it's an experience and, and you don't, you, your judgmental self, your inner critic, the thing that you sabotages, you, you know, going back to that conversation you had walking down by the beach going, Done that, you know, what's in your life? You know, what are you doing? You know, all these things that you start beating on yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gone. Like it's it's ego though as well. Yeah. It's, it's like so, a lot of ego in that. So the thing I love about the flow science and stuff, it's it's a very it's attainable by us all. It lives in all of us and we can all do it. When we've all done it, we all achieve it more often than we know. But are we using it to drive forward in those moments of purpose and really what happens is well, we could be in a conversation just at you know at a coffee shop just bump into each other have a random conversation about something that we're both engaged in and we can have a moment of flow and then time 
20 minutes can go by going, oh, crap, I've got to go because I'm late now. And we have that moment of flow. And we can experience that, but we don't, we're not trained to use that, um, the thing that triggers that in the things that we love most or we're most passionate about. So if we've got this dream to, to achieve something, we don't because the goal the seems flow. so big, we go, we feel that stress, that anxiety, yeah. which is, you know, you're, you're kind of neuropinephrine kicking into your system going and making you feel anxious about it, which is really just you feeling excited because they're the same same, same chemistry makeup. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when you explained that yeah. to me before the podcast, I, I, I get it now. So like you're saying that anxiety and excitement are the same thing, but you're just looking at it from a different lens. Yeah, it's all about the, the perspective of it, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I totally get that. Which is, which is cool. And, and back in my squash days when I used to feel nervous, I used to tell myself, I, I used to um, sort of thrive on that because it meant that I was in the right place about to do something I cared about and it meant that I was about to bring my best. Bring your best self. If I wasn't nervous, game. that made me nervous. That same, made me worry. Same with all athletes, isn't it? If they're not nervous, yeah. then then then, then there, there's something going to go seriously wrong yeah. for them. You're not going to get into that flow state, that peak performance state, if you don't have that chemical in your system because it's part of the makeup of flow. So you need it. You need it on the front end of getting into flow. So if you should be nervous about things. So when you feel that nervous about starting a podcast or starting a new business or taking the hit to hire that new employee to free up some of your time but you know it's going to it's a risk involved like that risk that thing you have to do it you have you have to have it to to get the best out of yourself like there's no way around it the 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 flow has a a four-stage cycle the flow cycle it's struggle which is that stress or that uh, anxiety then there's a bit of a release where you actually go oh, not screw so bad. It, i'm doing it <laughs> and then <laughs> once on the you journey. get through that on the back end of that that's where you get flow but you can't get to flow without going through the struggle and release yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah so but once you come out of flow there's the recovery phase and this is where most people screw it all up and you talk about your boxes that would train seven days a week and athletes that burn the candle at both ends yeah, yeah partying yeah. at night not sleeping enough yeah. and then training their asses off during the day and trying to make traveling for, trying to make up for a bad diet yeah, yeah um all these things it catches up with you there's injuries you know we get stressed anxiety all these things that start showing up health problems all these things start coming to play so recovery is a big big part um, probably the most important part of flow because if you're not recovered, you won't get back into that state. Because you need, essentially. You, you need to like, I suppose you need to flow takes um, so much energy. I suppose which yeah. would would probably be a right way to describe it. It takes so much energy that you you have to like allow yourself to replenish and refill so that you can go and hit the same heights again, but on the next stage of your journey. Yeah, exactly. So you know, once you sort of come out of a flow state, you know, there's that that come down and. Yeah, if you've ever been in a big, uh, if you've been to a big concert, you know, a big yeah, festival, yeah, yeah. music oh, festival bro. or something, right? Where you get group Ibiza. flow. Like, Ibiza. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So group flow is yeah. like communitas. Like it's, yeah. it's masses of people all together, one focus, one goal, one, you know, yeah, yeah. just yeah. novelty, music. Like you got flow triggers coming out of the wazoo. And if you go to a, you know, if you went to a music festival and you didn't do any drugs, you're still going to get high from the drug, the, 
the chemistry that's going on in your head. You just the experience itself is a high. Yeah. But coming off the back end of that, you're actually going to have a. You have to recover from that. Like it's. Yeah. I know. It takes it takes days to recover from something is, like that. Is, is that is that that low? Is that that low you feel? You know, yeah. like when you. I don't know what it is like because obviously Australia is beautiful. But like Australians, most Australians go to Bali. But like in England, so like we'd leave England, got we'd get out of England, we'd be grey and miserable. We'd go to like Spain for a week with the lads, and it'd be yeah. like euphoric, 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 boom, 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 all good. And then you'd yeah. get you. I can't describe the energy on that plane home. It's fucking horrible. Yeah, <laughs> like it comes it's, down, man. it's probably some of the worst like energy I've ever felt is coming back with the lads after you've been away for like seven to ten days in Europe, knowing, yeah. knowing full well that you're going back to live in England. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's part of it. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. But yeah, what's just happened is that you've just spent a week activating the most potent drugs on planet Earth that live inside your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, to the max, and you've depleted them all. So, and there's nothing. So then, going getting on a plane, going back to England, that's not going to lift your dopamine again. It's not going to get you excited and fired up. It's going to, uh, yeah, gonna fall. So there's a crash that comes from that. So yeah, for sure. Forget about the drinking and the and the, and the extracurricular activities that you know people get up to when they're when they're on missions like that. It's um. <laughs> The, reco- it sound like the a recovery from yeah the recovery <laughs> from flow in itself yeah is enough to take a good amount of time. Never mind adding on the uh, the other toxic stuff that you can partake in. So, but again, it's, it's it's understanding that how all that works and how to optimize yourself to get back to back to the peak performance state or be actively engaged. It's taxing being switched on all the time. And so you need really stringent daily active uh, recovery protocols to to ensure that you're recovering effectively so that you can get back up and hammer it out again the next day. And if you deploy them the right way, you won't get to burnout. Yeah, for sure. You won't get to things, you know. So recovery is probably the, the thing I would go back and flip on its head from my sporting career, um, deploying a lot more active recovery protocols and things like that. And I try to do that now just even, you know, like making sure that I I do have moments of flow that I'm doing a recovery mindful walk or something on the back end of it to, to recover, to regulate my nervous system back to sort of baseline again. I just think that they do. And I want to mention this because it's really, really important that we get this out. But like you, you were badly injured as a squash player, right? You, you're a pro. You're doing well. You're in the top like eleven or thirteen in the world, weren't you? And then you got injured. You, had, you blew out your two discs at that tournament. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously, uh, like the the audience needs to hear this because you, that's when you really got into your mind about this flow thing, didn't you? And you started to because you couldn't practice like physically practice because obviously your back's fucked. Yeah, you, you started to visualize beating people just t- just tell yeah. me about this man tell the, tell the audience yeah so the visualization i learned when i was 18 so it was yeah. something i continued doing throughout my career at the age of 22 yeah 23 ish 22 i can't remember exactly now but i'd found myself um i I'd sort of i was around, ranked about 80 in the world and all of a sudden i just started winning 
all these tournaments and beating players that were, high, you know, Highly top ranked. twenty, top and some top ten players in the world from out of nowhere. Like my performance just accelerated significantly, and there was this inner confidence that I had that I didn't feel it was an arrogant thing. It was just more along when I would prepare for a match, I just couldn't. There was no vision or understanding of how. I just couldn't feel feel how my opponent was going to beat me. I just didn't couldn't feel it. Yeah. And I would be visualizing beating them, visualizing my game plan and all these things. So I developed those that skill over a number of years. And at the age of 22, 23, I was in Belgium playing a big tournament and uh yeah, got injured during a match um, and blew out two of my discs. So I ended up having to fly back to Melbourne to do my recovery and I was spent spent pretty much seven months, eight months off court. The first three months I couldn't really do anything, maybe some core exercises, some stretches. Then I was able to start swimming, riding a bike a little bit and then gradually got back on court. And that November, October, November, the injury was in February, I think, um, I was able to play the British Open, which was like the Wimbledon of squash. Yeah. Uh, was on and it was the last big tournament of the year. And what I mathematically worked out was that if I went and played that tournament and lost first round, I would keep enough points on my ranking to stop it from dropping outside the top 24, which meant I would, if I was outside the top 24 in the world, I had to go back to qualifying for all the big tournaments. Right, Which okay. meant you got to play a few extra matches to get through. So I spoke with my coaches and, and doctors and stuff, and they said, yeah, you should be fine to go and play, you know. So that was a plan I entered and um, just about four weeks before I started to get back on court hitting and within a week my back seized up again, locked up, like back to the same pain I had in February. Yeah. And the Victorian Institute of Sport put me onto another physio that had done some work with a Carlton football club named Jim Chim, like a, a magician. Jim Chim. Jim Let's Chim. go. Magician, man. Um, Jim Chim. He's in Box Hill for anyone in uh, in Victoria. But um, and I remember laying down on his table the first day and he just started going to town on my left calf. And I'm like, Jim, and I'm in, I'm in so much pain. Jim, my back is injured, not my calf. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? And why is they, who sent me here? <laughs> and he goes, back sore because calf not good. And um, and he got me back up and running within a week. Amazing. So I hit some more balls. I played a, a small tournament in Melbourne, got through it, then just flew to England, yeah. stopped in Amsterdam. I didn't take any gear with me either because I picked up my stuff that I, when I was living in Amsterdam. I picked up my bags, went to uh, Birmingham for the British Open. My flight was booked for the next day after the first round to come back to Melbourne. Because you, what, you'd already presume you are going to lose? Well, I thought, you know, I haven't played in eight months really and I'm playing the biggest tournament in the Mate, that's, that's, well. that's a little bit of a, that's a little so, bit of a workout. Well, was it, was, I was going for the efficiency. Oh right? my God, <laughs> mate. Who but, does uh, that? But, you know, it's one of those things you know that you can change your flight if need yeah, be. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So you booked I it. ended up having to change my flight five times. But <laughs> um, It's such a weapon. <laughs> but I got, I got to that tournament and... I played, I won my first match 3-2, which is, you know, the extent of, you know, five sets uh, in tennis talk, but, um, and was like, pump, I got through the second round, 
awesome. What a bonus. Changed my flights. But my next match, I, I was up against uh, Simon Park, who was world number three yeah. at the time. Phenomenal player and, and great guy. And he, um, he'd been pretty dominant at, up until that point as well. Like he'd been playing extremely well. So I thought, cool, I got a bonus. Second round, some extra money, some extra points. Um, I can fly home now and start preparing for the tournament of champions in New York in the following February. But what happened when I stepped on that court is still to this day, well, I have more of an understanding of what happened now, but I stepped on and I remember warming up for the match. And then the only thing I can recall to this day is the ball um, hitting the hitting the tin from Simon's racket and me just sort of putting my hand in the air in victory, like beating him three three love. Wow. And I, I can't remember anything in between those two moments. Like it's just a, it's a that's blur. Just, that's like just made my whole body go like, a, <laughs> like weird. yeah, fucking hell. Um, I'm feeling that. And so kind of in shock at what just happened, but obviously I'll take it. Um, I find myself in the quarterfinals of the British Open. And and, and so I, I, what I would call then, I was, I was just in the zone, like just in the zone, but. You know, it was really a uh, a flow state at its maximum. Because you didn't think you were going to achieve anything. That's why you got in flow so quick, I reckon. Well, th- there was no expectations. There was just a clear intention of what I was doing. I had a very clear goal during that tournament just of how I wanted best. to play. Yeah. Um, and just turn up. Have I was have I, I was it was fun. It was if I think about flow triggers, you know, it was novel again. I was back on tour again. It was so it triggered my the novelty, cr- creativity, a huge flow trigger like. I was able to be creative with the ball again, do the thing. I was doing the thing I was most passionate passionate about. I loved playing and competing. There was risk because it was a big tournament. Yeah, so all, all these things that were layered, it was just laced with flow triggers yeah. as most sports are. And due to my mental state, but also through that period of – and I went on to make the final of that tournament and I lost in the final to um, a really good player, David Evans from Wales – um, but throughout that whole event, I realized that I was just kind of riding that wave of that flow state all the way through to the end. And I was just, I was knackered at the end of it. I hadn't played that much squash in eight months and I, I was just physically done as well. So sort of coming back out of it. But what I did uh, do during my rehab is that I visualized probably five days a week of playing the best players in the world. So I continued that pattern of visualization. So I played squash nearly every day throughout my injury in, in my mind. head and into detail. But by that stage, I was so good at it. Like I was, I could, I could smell the court. I could, I could see what color the grip on my opponent's racket was. I could really, like the, the I could feel every little bit of the experience. Like it was, like it was real. And my and your brain does not know the difference between what you what you're thinking or what you're actually experiencing. So if I visualized us doing this podcast, yeah, you know, my brain actually doesn't know whether we're actually really sitting here doing this now. Did you do it? Or whether I'm visualizing it. Did you visualize I it? I visualized everything. <laughs> How did it go? So, How did it go when you visualized it? Oh, just exactly like this. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, all right. Uh, but, um, but visualization was one of those things that allowed me to, get back on court 
and play like I hadn't missed a day. Like That's I hadn't beautiful, skipped man. a beat. And then from that moment, the next the next year I got to my career high number four in the world on the back end of all that. So you know, visualization is what I've told the athletes I work with now, the the, the athletes I coach in squash or have coached. Um is the difference between the, the, the difference between me getting the top five in the world and, and and achieving what I did as an athlete was all due to the mental work. Because everyone can get fit, everyone can get strong, everyone can improve a skill. We can all do those things. Yeah. But what goes on up in your head will determine your outcomes. Hundred percent. Eventually. But most people don't train that. And and one of my favorite people to follow at the moment, um, Dr. Michael Gervais, who's a, a sports psychologist, he actually works with uh, Pete Carroll and the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And he's got a podcast called Finding Mastery, which I recommend you, you check out. I think you'd yeah, love it. Finding Mastery, I'm going to um, write it down. He, um, he says, you know, there's only three things you can train. You can train your craft, yeah. you can train your body, or you can train your mind. But most people are only training the first two. Like we'll learn new skills, we'll 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 train our bodies to get physically fit, stronger, look better, all these things. But few people are actually working as hard on their mind as they are on those other two things. Yeah. But really, for peak performance to come to fruition, you've got to have all three. And peak performance, you and when you're talking about that, I want to stress that you're not just talking about that as an athlete. You're talking about that in relationships. You're talking about that in all these different facets of your life, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah. And that's why I go back. Like, I never, I never correlated all that stuff. Yeah, you into never my did that work. Personal life. That was yeah. all. It was all sports psychology, as yeah. far as I was concerned. So this now wasn't, you brought it into the personal. This just wasn't positive psychology. This was. So now, if you look at it. Um, Kind of Martin Seligman's work around positive psychology. There's, you know, in the study I'm doing with the Flow Research Collective around our flow state and um, and how to train it effectively and implement it and embed it into your life more. It's you can't have peak performance without these sort of six fundamental things, and they are uh, your nutrition, yeah, your sleep, yeah, mindfulness practice. Gratitude practice, um, social uplifting experiences or social support. Yeah, yeah. And good friends, you mean? Good friends, good people yeah. that support you, that yeah, yeah. believe in you, that, that actually that encourage want you to achieve. You. They want you to win. Yeah. Um, and there's a sixth one, and it's I've gone blank, but um, exercise. Yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> exercise. So if you're not doing those six things on a daily, consistent basis. You're really not allowing your psychology and your physiology to come together in that sweet spot where you can be at your best. Yeah. You may not get flow state all the time and you don't want flow state all the time, um, but you'll be more actively engaged. You'll recover better. You do things. And the other thing you really want is an active recovery protocol Right at the end of your day, recover properly, recover effectively, what, so you can get up and do it all again. What can the average person do as an active recovery protocol at the end of each day that's going to revolutionise how they feel for the following day, the following week? The average person does can do the same thing as every other professional athlete or professional person or p- person who is really chasing that flow lifestyle is get yourself in an infrared sauna. Yeah, stretch, yoga. Yeah. Um, light exercise, go for a walk, 
recovery yeah. walk, um, breath work. And you mean, and when you say recovery walk, you mean without your phone, don't you? Without a podcast yeah. in your ear, without anything. Well, I mean, you can listen to a podcast. You can listen, to, but the only one you'd recommend is the Frankie Lee podcast, right? Or the or the or the Paul <laughs> Price flowcast, inspired big performance flowcast. Yeah, <laughs> there's only two I recommend. Yeah, only two. I'll just, I'll maybe just on the back end, Michael Gervais. Uh, yeah, but, mastery, but, but but make sure you leave him till last because uh, I don't know him yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, equally, all is impactful, no doubt. Um, there's breath work, um, meditation. There's hot, cold contrast showers, cold showers. Um, so, so what I do at the end of every day is I go and sit in the sauna for between half an hour to an hour. Not an infrared one, just a normal one. So yep. I don't know what the difference is. So you'll have to tell me in a second. But I go sit in the sauna for half an hour to an hour, and then in between, like you do, like I do, like fifteen minutes, cook myself, and then, yep. I, and then I jump in the cold pool, yep. and I'll sit in the cold for like. What I think is five minutes, but it's probably 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And then I, I jump out, go, go and repeat like maybe three or four times. And then, yeah. I, and then I kind of feel like I'm more chilled after that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. That's exactly what you need to be doing. If you can do something like that every day or most days, every day, then you're laughing and you probably notice the difference. If you really want to feel the impact, don't do it for a week. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm just going to yeah. take I, I, yeah. I'm telling you now there's there's no benefit from me stopping doing that no, like, there's not, there's, not. There's, there's, I'm not even going to try I don't even want to run your test yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing would be mass, get a massage you know like I do that three times the, a week it's all this, the things that we hear about that you know we they're, just, they're all just at our disposal like mass, don't, don't get a massage every day then get a roller do some rolling um, but do, you, do you think you should be massaged every day well uh, do I think or do I would I like to be? Um, probably. I mean, I don't think so. I don't uh, what's, think what, okay, like, what should the average person be getting massaged in? Like, once, once I'm not sure. I really know the answer to that, but I think for the um, for an athlete, then it's, I would say probably more um, more frequently is better. But for you and I sitting here recovering from a podcast, being in flow. The, the massage may or may, may not break us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think if you get a massage once a week, that's pretty. I, I, I get, cool. I get probably about two or three massages a week, to be honest, because um, I, 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 I'm rather than rather than spending my money on what I term as shit stuff that doesn't really move the needle, like going and buying a Gucci pair of shoes or some crap like that. Um, rather than that, I just I, I spend all my I spend my money on like books and 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 educate myself and. Yeah. Like speaking to consultants that can move the needle for business and for mindset and all that stuff, and then I, and then obviously, um, like yeah, and if anything to do with that, like massage, saunas, all that stuff, you know, yeah, that's where that's where you spend it because like that, it does make you it makes you way more productive the following week if you've yeah. done that the previous week, absolutely, and that's what's going to generate more results, you know, whether yeah, it's yeah. monetary results bigger connections better connect you know whatever it is whatever you're working towards it's going to uh, it's going to ready you f- to to perform at your best it's going to give you the edge over your competition and you know if you if you and it's going to prepare you to to get into a flow state when you when you when you purposely try to trigger it so it's how many hours so a day though should people be in flow for like, um, what, is there I'm a, not sure there i know a, l- a real definitive answer around that like if you talk about a busy schedule, like you want to, 
if you can sort of um, block your time off with like pure focus, one task, no distractions, no phone, no emails, no nothing. Like like you and I sitting here in this room now for however long we've been here already. Like if I was off checking my emails between or text messages or oh, I'm just going to go have a phone call yeah, yeah. or we we're breaking it up all the time, it would take us time to get back into that swing of things, right? But yeah. on the back end of this block, hour and a half, whatever, 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 whatever it is, it's yeah. going to be, um, I know that I'm going to need to take a walk. Yeah. So I usually try to, 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 to block off an hour and a half to two hours in my what I call flow blocks and I'll pick my one task. I'll say I'm going to work on my flow for coaches program or whatever it is that I'm working on during that time. Yeah. There's nothing else that comes into play. It's I put my headphones on, put my binaural beats on, you know, or some focus music. And I You're gonna have to tell me about this focus just, music. Just go at it. <laughs> just go at it. Yeah. And do that and and then on the back end of that I have a little recovery. So it might be I go get some I go for a walk, get a coffee, have some food, maybe do I might do a bit of exercise, I might do some stretching, but just do something to move the body. Then I may do a uh, a mindful practice, a twenty minute meditation. I do something to to, to break, recover to from break, that. To break the pattern of that flow that you've just been in. Yeah, and then what you want to do is block off another hour and a half, two hours, and go again. So, and if you can, if you can effectively deploy that two to three times a day, and like your productivity will go through the roof. I think. I think. I think. I'm, I mean, I, I want. I want to ask you a question now. So, Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work. Yep. Right. Have you read it? I have not read that book, but it's it's on my list to read because it's it's definitely correlates between. Is, 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 is that is that flow? Is yeah. that flow? Because is that what he's talking about? Pretty much, yeah. So, so a few people have spoken to work. me about this, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've had conversations about flow state and stuff. And it's, oh, it's kind of like a deep work philosophy, yeah, yeah, Cal yeah. Newport. Yeah. And like exactly, it's just it's just getting into that. It's just a, a different name for it, I, I guess. And without reading the book and knowing the intricate details of it, but I, I believe the concept is the same. Yeah, it's around. You know, if you get into that deep focus, like you know, in, in that flow state, one decision leads to the other. That go, they just flow; it just follows on. There's no. I was. I was. It just re- happens. I was reading a, f- a famous um, marketer. Uh, his one of his blog posts, and he was like saying, "If you want to get something done, just sit there and do it." And I was like. <laughs> that is so true isn't it because everyone everyone says oh i want to get that done i want to achieve this i want to achieve that but no one's willing to actually sit there and start like and actually just sit there and start and finish something yeah you know you, you know how humans go oh well i had the best i wrote it down on my goals list or my to-do list or whatever you list you got or whatever i had the intention of doing it but i've not i've not even i sat there and looked at it, it looked too yeah. hard so i just i just did something else that was easier yeah do you ever get that well yeah i mean it's we're, we're designed to search for distractions and negativity. Our brain is like negativity. We're, we're, well, so information that. That information that we take in gets filtered through. And I'm gonna I'm gonna speak a little bit out of my realm here and 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 try and nail this for you. But um, but take it with a grain of salt because I may not nail this this piece of information. But it, information that we process gets filtered through our amygdala, the almond shape thing in our brain, and that is what is referred to as like our danger detector. So it's designed to keep us safe. And so 
anytime anything happens, we perceive information. It goes through that piece of our brain first, and it and where what we'll do is we'll pick up and we'll um, take notice of nine bits of negative information to one to maybe three bits of positive information. Wow! So, so you literally just so we're designed to to our brain is designed to keep us safe, and this is our ancient brain talking, right? This is like. Could something just jump out of the trees over here to my left and and attack me right now, or am I safe? So we're constantly on that lookout for negative information, for danger, which is why, you know, which is why people get stuck in that negativity trap. That's why it's so easy to be to feel negative and be worried or concerned and feel stress. Um, I think, and but 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 through a practice of gratitude, you you actually flip that a little bit and have your brain start to train train your brain to look for the positive information. So um, so once it goes through that, then it starts to filter off, oh, no, I'm safe, and then it will go into the other parts of our thinking for perception and, 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 and from there. So we're designed to, to be, to, to do, to, to run away from things a little bit. You know, we're sort of, we're designed to be safe and, and be lazy you know, wow. conserve energy. Our brain, our brain you, is so powerfully can work for us, but it's you know, from my understanding and and I and I could be wrong about this, but it's designed to keep us very safe and compact and protect us from any imminent dangers and it's so powerful that it can work so when we switch it on and use it the right way, it can it can have amazing results for us. But if we don't learn to harness and use it the right way and use our you know, sort of neurobiology to work with our physiology, then you just you're you're gonna get the negative results. It's gonna it's gonna do what it's designed to do and keep you sedentary and safe and not taking action. Fucking hell. That's amazing. Like you, do, you don't even you don't even realize it, do you? Like it's not something you, you until someone like points the stuff out to you. You kind of you can kind of that's why you should always seek to learn something from everyone you meet because it's it's for these these conversations are why I do this hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and these are conversations. These are things I've just learned from other people, and yeah, yeah, yeah. just passing and you're it along and, me. and going backwards and forwards. It's so it is it is cool, but and the best you know the best way to combat all that sort of stuff as well is just take action you said it all just take massive action you want to you want to get through that take action lean into it move forward you know lean forward into it go at it and you'll 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 get through the other side and that's the only way to combat it is through action yeah 100 percent um it's it's to the point of like and i always say this in in some of my in my with my clients when we talk about this sort of stuff is that you know friction in our life Think about the things that you will not do for the silliest reasons. And I'll give you a perfect example of myself here. And, and um, is that I love chocolate. Like chocolate is my one of my biggest weaknesses. If there's chocolate in my house, it's gone. What kind of chocolate are you talking about? I, any chocolate, mate. Chocolate. Yeah, but what's your favorite chocolate? My favorite chocolate. 
I got, I got, I got. Before I can have understand you got some this, back there or something. <laughs> no, no, no. I, actually, by the side of you, there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Awesome you, you got a chocolate bar. Be, I'm taking that home yeah, for sure. Did, yeah, but, but you, I saw your eyes, and I thought, I thought you got to have one of those. But no, no. <laughs> before, mate, before you explain this, you got, you got, you got to explain what kind of chocolate. Because if it's like lint chocolate, I can understand. Yeah, like lint, lint dark chocolate is the thing that we're at. The salted caramel one is pretty, pretty right. decent. Okay, I'm with you now. No, no, yeah, no, so carry on. Good chocolate, like. <laughs> um, but if you had a Cadbury. Cadbury bar here right there. I wouldn't sniff it. I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take some of that, mate. But anyway, by example, if there's chocolate in my fridge, it doesn't. It can't last the night. Like it's gone. All right. If there's no chocolate. Paul's you, okay. You, Paul you, doesn't. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I had some chocolate. But I'm not going to go out, out of my way and get it. I'm not going to leave. There's a Seven Eleven, literally, a three minute drive from my house. So, our, my brain is so lazy. Like my need, my desire to eat chocolate, if it's there, is so powerful. It's hard for me to overcome that. Yeah. But if it's a three-minute drive away, you're out. Ah, screw that, man. That's too much work. I can't be bothered doing that. So you order it on Uber Eats. <laughs> Which is why Uber Eats is so powerful because they feed into our lazy system and uh, and feed our the things 100%. that kick our dopamine into action. But um, so I won't do it. So if you want to. You know, talk about switching habits. So I don't want to eat chocolate. I want to lose weight or something like that. Then we just don't buy chocolate. And the friction that it is to go and get the chocolate is that much. Is that the, my pa- brain is the power be. that allows you to break that pattern. Yeah. But if I wanted to say I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to improve inflammation in my body and I wanted to have more turmeric, then if I got turmeric in my house or turmeric bone broth or something like that, then I'll, I'll make it all day long. But again, same thing. Even though I know it's the benefit in my health it'll make, I probably won't drive down to the local cafe, which is only four minutes drive, to go and get myself a turmeric latte or a turmeric shot of yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. A, yeah. like we're so inherently lazy that things. So we've got to set ourselves up for success by knowing what those triggers are and what are the empowering triggers and or what's what's the good catalyst for friction and what's the deterrent that we want to put in place. So how do I so I have a little bit of a, a love hate relationship with monster like their white monster energy drinks. Right. Like, <laughs> like they they are like I don't drink, smoke, do drugs, nothing, right? But those things, they look at me and I'm like they're like That might be a that might be a step backwards if you just started smoking and drinking yeah, <laughs> drugs yeah. from a monster drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you might be better off doing it, those other things. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, the monster just looks at me in the fridge and it's like, yo, Frankie. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm there, buddy. Like, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just have to, I just kind of, every time I go to the petrol station, I just kind of have to. So you saying like, just don't go to the petrol station. <laughs> don't go where they sell monster. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. That's practically, I, I can't go anywhere in Australia then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah, that's the thing. Like you, you've got to find ways to, because yeah, we're, we're, you know, I, I without sounding negative or or dark about this I, I just believe that we're we're inherently kind of a bit weak and lazy like i just think that's our as a race our default people, people like yeah. humans we're just that's but we're also equally powerful and motivating and inspirating as long as we're switching and putting you just have in the to right choose place. which one turns up yeah so and that's it, our choice isn't it's it? it's a conscious thing you gotta yeah, yeah and you and it's a practice you gotta practice making the right decisions you gotta practice and by no means am i perfect at any of this at all but it's you can feel the difference when you get on a roll with it. It's so much easier to keep it there. And you know what it's like when you fall off the wagon on something that you're trying to create a positivity out of or a habit. 
it's so easy to you know get you know, sorry yeah. it's so hard to get started again because it's so much easier just to be lazy and comfortable so. see I, I was speaking to a girl at the gym this morning on the way out um on the way to the office and that and um she fully knows from listening to like a previous podcast that we had that she's ident- she's fully identified and I know she has she might be lying to herself but she's fully identified and she'll know who I'm talking about if she listens to this that she is surrounded by the wrong people mm-hmm. right she's surrounded by the wrong people the girls that she's surrounded with not her girls 100% mate right I know that she knows that she won't admit it to herself well she she already knows though she has admitted it to herself but she 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 doesn't know how to she, I think because she's obviously like moved from another place to here and and then she's like found a found a, a, a group of people. It's like she, she needs to like break that group and then go into a different group or find her people. But yeah. she's kind of like scared because she's in that, f- she's in the flow state of, of what, like a bad flow state because she's going towards things that don't even represent where she's going. Yeah. It's, feeding, it's feeding into that. Those those humanistic needs of belonging, connection, deep connection, those things. So she's trying to find it. She's trying to find in it a in place things. that maybe is not maybe not authentic with where she sees herself or the type of people she wants to hundred percent embrace with. But um, yeah, so it's I mean it's a challenge. Like it's so it's hard to break free from. How those do, yeah, but what what I want to get from you is what what's your advice for people that are that 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 if they're honest with themselves, know that they are surrounded by the wrong people. It might even be their family. It might even be, it might even be their best friend for like four years. Just might be, it might just be the wrong person. Like how do people break that flow state of being around those people so they can actually go and break the pattern, flip the perspective. You know what I'm saying? I think you need to, I mean, my, my sort of philosophy around that would be that, you need to identify what you're getting from that, from those interactions and be honest about that first and foremost. Like what is the thing that you're getting from that? Is it a sense of belonging? Is it a sense of connection? Is it, and, and understand why you're getting it from that. Um, if it's a sort of a toxic group of people or they're very negative or whatever it is, what is it that you're getting that you're not getting somewhere else and then how can you replace that feeling with something else that's more empowering? So it might not – because it's it's hard to find you – know, I was listening to one of your other podcasts with um, a friend of mine, Aaron, and, and you guys touched on this about break into a new group. You know, if you're wrong, around the wrong people – Yeah. You know, to, like, and that's that's not an easy thing to do at times, like like at the snap of drop of a hat. It, yeah, takes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it takes time to build new networks and new – friends and a new community of people that you can consistently spend time with yeah it takes time but what you can shift very quickly is the feeling that you get from a from a um you know if it's a certain say let's say it's a sense of belonging that you get from this group of people that you're not getting somewhere else okay well you just need to figure out quickly where you can belong and spend more time there feeling fueling that need yeah and you won't replace, then you won't miss that group of people because it's not yeah. the people you're, if you're not really relating to the people you're hanging out with, <laughs> it's not the people you're going for, it's a feeling that you get or some sort of emotion you feel. Right, okay. So if you can find something else, so it might be going and um, uh, joining a new club 
uh, you know, I, just I, putting I, yourself I, out your comfort zone, just going zone. somewhere, like get, yeah. get around a group of people that are different and that that sort of embrace you, going, yeah, come with us with this. So it might be a, I can't think of the top of my head what possibly possibly might be a tennis club. Go and start playing a new sport. Yeah, you know, new people that show up for to try a new sport. Not many more welcoming people on the planet than a a club of people that love playing a sport and, that want to welcome and introduce yeah, 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 new yeah, people yeah. to the thing that they love doing most. Yeah, for sure. Come with us. Come play with us on Saturday. Come and do this. You know. So if it's a sense of belonging that you, you know that you've that you've um, gone through a process, which is what I do with the clients, to understand what is the, what are the things you get from these things that are empowering or disempowering, and where can you replace them. And how can you feed them authentically? It's not, you know, it's not like um, like smoking is a perfect perfect example. Like people, you know, people smoke not because they enjoy smoking, inhaling toxicity into their lungs, because they get a sense of belonging, because they get to belong to the cool kids, yeah, hanging out. So it's not the belonging you've got to. It's not the nicotine they're addicted to. It's the belonging. So if you can feel, if you can fuel that, find a way to fuel that, that. Need, replace that, that sense of belonging with. I've just joined a mountain bike club, and I get my flow. St- I get I get into flow mountain biking, and I've got people who are em- empowering me, and I'm getting healthy. You'll quickly forget about smoking very very quickly. That's amazing. Um, so that's in my understanding and what I've learned. Um, that would be my advice. It's like, what is it exactly you're getting from that? group of girls that you're hanging out with that you can get easily somewhere else so it might not be because and and you only get to know people you know you might find a new group of friends um, or new people to hang out with but you might find six months down the track that they're actually just as negative as the other ones yeah so then you got to start again so but i I, I find the feeling i always like i always really pay attention now to how people make me feel like in terms of when I leave your presence today, Paul, like I'm gonna feel like more buzzing because like we've we've had a productive conversation and I'm, I'm interested and you know about a bit of we played a bit of tennis you know a bit of back and forth yeah but like some people you, you, you if you're if you're honest with yourself and you you could analyze this people never leave you the same do they they either leave you feeling more empowered and more buzzing or they take away from you. There's yeah. no, there's, you, you never left the same from a conversation you, You'll you either leave here today You'll either feel like Fucking hell yeah That was a great conversation with Frankie Or yeah, You'll absolutely. feel drained from having a conversation with me And that And how you feel when you leave Determines whether you should spend more time with that person Or less time Simple as that Yeah And like people I think more people That's the simplest way that I've kind of come to ascertain how I feel And, that, and that's And In the last year 12 months Yeah that's that's really um i'm i'm so honest with myself about how people make me feel that, that like if you're making me feel like even slightly like taking even like 10 or 20 percent away from me like i knock you down to seeing you once a week and if you're still taking more away from me i knock you down to like once a month but if you're still taking more now i won't see you because yeah. like i can't be around that 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 something is constantly taking away one percent a day because one percent a day is like a hundred percent every hundred days and then and then you're into negative and so on and so on do you know what i'm saying so people think the relationships and all that stuff like relationships with people like relationships with friends and all that ends in ends in a moment it never ends in a moment it it ends it 
ends at one percent a day from, from from a long period of time. Yeah, it's like when someone does something to you and that pisses you off. They've been doing shit to you for fucking ages. You just not you just not identified it. Yeah, you've never you've never you've never sat there and looked. You've never you've yeah. never analysed it. You need so that's why I said to people like I said to her like just write down all the people you hang around with and just and just honestly every week just ascertain. Do they, do they make you feel better this week or make me feel worse? And that'll just soon tell you everything you need to know, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, and look, I think that's that's a really, really powerful way to, to, to look at it and it's a good framework to, to operate within. Um, but again, I think it takes a lot of awareness to to come to that conclusion or that um, understanding of how you're doing. But, but the real powerful part around it is having that self-reflection ongoing who, who am I being and how am I impacting this relationship because I, I also believe that you can only control you and how you show up and how you, you show do. up to the room yeah and yeah, I yeah. know that there's been many times I've shown up really not great same mate same. And there's, there's times where I've shown up really awesome and and I'm a lot more hyper aware of how that is and a lot more pur- purposeful and intentional about it now and but I think, you know, as you said, it takes time to to understand these, to, to sort of go, is this, are they taking away from me or are they, or are they having a hard time? Yeah. Like where, yeah. Are they okay? You know, there's, there's, there's so many different dimensions that people live in and, and different parts of their journey that you've, having that awareness around it and giving that chance and knowing that, you know, where are they on that journey? Yeah, they may not be empowering me but do i need to give more at this point in time but over time you'll figure out whether it's just a a thing that you're okay i'm just constantly giving like they're just constantly being yeah there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot to of feed their need and if it's so i know i think there's a ton of layers to it and but if you sort of you know speaking to the person that you've you've used in this example yeah taking stock journaling around how you feel and taking notice of like being honest around what you, what you get from experiences um, and what's the real reason you're doing something because we all get something. There's no, I don't believe that we can do anything. Like I'm on your podcast yeah, because, you know, because I think, okay, well, can, this can also help me promote my brand as well. Yeah, yeah for and sure. And by you having me on the podcast, you get to fulfill your bigger vision, your massive transformative yeah, purpose yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, impacting lives and getting your podcast out there because I'm going to share this with my audience. And So there's a there's a win-win in everything. But yeah, yeah, you have to find the, it, don't you? But the authenticity in between all that yeah. is where the, the impact happens. So I could be here just going, oh, I'm going to take this podcast and I'm going to promote it to, to build my brand and da-da-da-da or, or I'm not going to – or I go, you know what, I'm not going to promote this. I'm just going to let Frankie promote me and I'm not going to promote his – you know what I mean? Like yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but those, but but, but, that, pe- but people that think like that, they're they're in the they're they're on the wrong they're on the wrong. They're planet, totally on the wrong they? path. But yeah, but they're feeling that feeling that need of what they're going to get from it and and their own insecurity around it, as opposed to going, okay, I know I'm going to win from this. You know you're going to win from this, and together in the middle we're going to meet in this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where impact's going to happen. Yeah. Like we can, but we're both showing up as our best selves because you know, I'm, we're I'm, both here for the same reason. We're both here to help add people. impact to each other and f- to whoever gets to listen to the, to, to your podcast. We'd have this so. conversation anyway, Paul. 
right? Yeah. There's there's no point in us having this conversation and it being a private conversation because like you can't impact enough people with that. You can't. It's not documented. Yeah, this, and this, it, this, and it, this documents look, it. And it would look really strange if we just sat in the middle of Surface <laughs> Paradise with <laughs> megaphones, just having this random conversation like this. Yeah, but we'd be in flow, <laughs> bro. So we wouldn't notice. Oh, we'd love it. Yeah. yeah if we were in flow, <laughs> you ain't gonna notice. Exactly. Do you, you do. You do not know how much time we've done now, unless you look to your watch. But I tell you, oh, now, I've got like, a. I've got a feeling. It's just. It's like we've been. We've been buzzing for a we've while been now. Jamming, yeah. We've been jamming. But yeah. look. Look, obviously we have been jamming a long time and there's there's loads more value we can add, but like I'm conscious of, of, of like the fact of your time and everything like that. But just tell people how they can work with you and tell people how they can follow you. Cool, yeah. So um I'm at in, um www.inspiredpeakperformance.com Perfect. is my website. Um on Instagram I'm at Paul Price Performance. Um so you can find me there and um, yeah, I'm open. I work one on one with clients around helping them achieve, optimize their, their psychology and biology for for flow state. Helping I'm, I'm going to f- figure out working with you myself. I'm going to do some work. Cool, with you. man. Yeah, I'd love to do some work with you. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm working on a few programs right now to release um, that will be available online in the coming months. And then, yeah, in next month I'll be launching my very own. Uh, podcast which is called the inspired peak performance Flowcast, and uh, i just recorded my first episode last week with a with a uh, huge a professional surfer one of australia's greats and um, who, who, who you're going to get on my podcast right which well, <laughs> I'll, I'll link you guys up you, you'll love yeah. having a chat and um and i've got two two i'm recording tomorrow one on friday and then uh yeah then i'll, I'll be putting them out there into the podcast universe. Hey, you do, you to, do, you're uh, doing great do things, so. man. Like at the end of the day, right? Like I say to a lot of people, it's not a dick swinging competition. Like if you, even if I interviewed the same person, you interviewed the same person, it's two different podcasts because of the, because the, the, the differentiator is you. Absolutely. You know what I mean, that's why podcasting is so beautiful because the questions that I ask, you wouldn't ask in a month of Sundays and the questions you ask and the way you articulate yourself. I, I couldn't I couldn't ever match that. That's why the the the, the personality and the, and the connection that you can get with these things, yeah, different level. Because you're speaking into someone's ear, and if if they've been on the podcast for this long, they obviously like they're obviously like you're obviously giving them enough. You know what I mean? You're giving them your best self. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, absolutely. So and that's, that's great. And that's the thing, you know. And that was when I was thinking about starting a, a podcast. You know, I, I love having conversations around peak performance and things like that and flow is a very you know i love talking about the science of it and the the what the impact that it has and you can on tell people. and you can tell and it's uh yeah and so mine's all based around you know people's peak experience experiences in in with flow in their life and uh, you know in, in their you know their sport their business their their things so it's unpacking that how what got them there what led them there you know how do they replicate that? What are the other things they do on that? So, you know, sort of everyone has a different little little niche they're coming from or a little pl- different place. Yeah, and as yeah, you said, yeah. each each of our personalities, our language we use, the way we talk, the way we feel, the energy, the vibe is going to elicit different answers and different things. So even if I did repeat the same questions that you have asked me to someone else. Different, different, different. You know different or someone else interviewed me with the same questions that, it's so much intricacy, and and that's what makes things all the, all that subtly different. And 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 a, and a guest that I'm actually interviewing tomorrow morning is a guy named Alistair McCaw, who's 
um, been a mentor of mine, and he's a, a culture and performance coach as well. He's from uh, from lives in the states. Um, he's a huge influence on me, um, and I get to, to interview him tomorrow. Um, he always talks about you know the, the, the defining factor in your success is you. <laughs> yeah, no one. I love how simple he's made that. But it's no so one true. is you. No one is yeah, you. Yeah. No one has the qualities. No one has the language. No one has the makeup. No one has the makeup of your experiences. That's why personal brands work so well. Yeah. So so you just got to figure out what sets you apart, what lights you up from the inside out, and go share that with people. And and then just follow your passion and your dreams, you know. That's something I realized, you know, with my voice. Like, I think think it's my voice that separates me from a lot of people. So why not use my strength rather than trying to be a writer or trying to do this and trying to do that when everything that i can i can leverage all the all the the the, the, vo- the voice to to do the other things further down the track yeah like it's it's a mad it's a mad it's a mad um way of thinking about it and i love the way you simplified that but yeah. look, thank you very much for your time on the podcast today and uh is there any one last word you want to give the audience before that before you we check oh, off man um Drop you one last knowledge bomb. I think. I think. Uh, just simplify, simplify life. Hone in on that one thing that that really excites you, and take a step forward. Like just lean into it, embrace the struggle, be vulnerable, um, and 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 dig into yourself daily to find out, you know, what triggers you and and how you can uh, how you can overcome those obstacles and. And try to enjoy every moment. I guess that's I love it. That's about it, man. But I love it. I appreciate you having me on. I've had a, an awesome time, man. And I love what you're doing. I love your message. I love what you're about. And uh, I'm glad we've connected. And uh, mate, we, yeah, we, we're going to be we're going to be mates for years. Like, don't you worry about yeah. that. I'm not letting you off the hook, brother. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Man. I look forward to having a having a beer or something with you at, at yeah. times. Well, not a beer because I don't drink. Oh, you but, don't drink. But, well, but we can have we'll, a monster. We'll, 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 we'll have work, a monster we'll, together. Mate, no, no, no. You're better be getting me in flow state, mate. That's not getting me in flow state. That's getting me on the on the wagon. <laughs> but look, thank you very much. It's been the Frankie Lee podcast, and we're out. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee podcast. 